Greetings. Welcome to Space Court. The reason that I wanted to interview you is because you love your job. And I think that's a really rare thing this day and age. I totally understand that. Um, I took a long time to find a job that I actually love. But once you find it, it's really a great feeling. Space Court. Space Court. We invite you to join us as we explore what it's like to love what you do for a living. So I'm a tour guide here in Israel, and it was a long journey to find this way. Um, I didn't always think that I was going to be a tour guide when I grew up, but this is what I do now. And I really, it's it's an amazing job that I have. I get to not be in an office behind a screen. I get to meet people from around the world and I get to show people one of my favorite places in the world. And it's awesome. What is your favorite place in the world? We would like to introduce you to someone who has lived in the Midwest and now lives in the Middle East. Alex, Pisces Sun, Taurus Moon, Taurus Rising. My favorite city in the world is Jerusalem, and that's where I live. Mm-hmm. Um, but I get to show people all over Israel. I have a license to guide all around the country, north to south. But since I'm based in Jerusalem, I guide a lot in the old city of Jerusalem and around the city here. So for those people that aren't familiar with Jerusalem, and for those people that aren't familiar with the old city, can you tell us a little bit about that? So Jerusalem, of course, is probably one of the most famous cities in the world. And the old city is the historical one square kilometer or a quarter mile squared where the holy sites for three of the monotheistic religions are. Um, For the Jews, the Western Wall is there, um, the retaining wall of the former First and Second Temple. Mm -hmm. The Christians have the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which is the site of Jesus's crucifixion, burial, and resurrection. And the Muslims have the Haram al-Sharif or al-Aqsa compound, which is the third holiest site in the world for Islam. So this city is the most important city for more than 4 billion people around the world. And I get to show visitors from around the world, whether they're religious or not, all these places. And I think it's one of the jobs with the biggest responsibility I think I've ever had. I think so. (laughs) We would like to introduce you to a non-Jew that has a Jewish name, Rachel. Cancer Sun. Cancer Moon. Gemini rising. Sacred, holy, special, controversial. It sounds many adjectives. All of those adjectives are are definitely words that I use on a daily basis. I think it's important for people to know a little bit about who you are, where you're from. What were some of the major milestones that led you to this place slash position? So if you asked me 10 years ago what I would be doing, the answer probably would not have been a tour guide in Jerusalem. Um, I'm from Iowa in the U.S. I'm from the Quad Cities. Graduated from the University of Iowa with a degree in communication studies with the plan of working for the circus, which is what my kind of obsession and passion was when I was in school. Wait a second. I think we need to redirect this entire episode because... (laughs) (laughs) 
like a clown? Was this the pursuit or what role in the circus were you interested in? So when I was in middle school, I took a careers class and jokingly, when the teacher asked me what I wanted to be, I said, I wanted to be a clown. And it like really, really infuriated him. He goes, you can't make any money out of as being a clown. Pick a real job. This is a serious class. When I was in eighth grade, I'm 12 or 13 years old. Because of this like bad feedback, I became yeah. and I just wanted to prove my teacher, Mr. Brewer, wrong that like this is a lucrative career path. And I did prove him wrong, but it ended up that I'm not so funny. And <laughs> like being a clown wasn't the direction I wanted to be. But while I was in college, I had the opportunity to be an intern for a small like traveling youth circus called Circus Smirkus. And I did marketing and PR for them on the road, which was an amazing experience. I really loved every minute of it. But I uh, came back to college. I finished my degree and I came to Israel for the first time on a program called Birthright. After that, I decided I wanted to come back to Israel and live here for a little bit. Um, I worked at a high-tech startup called Eat With, which is now a big company that does um, experiences around the world. Instead of going out to restaurants, you have local meal experiences at people's houses and it gave me my first taste of living in Israel and like going on organized tours and I kind of got this taste of uh, tourism in Israel that I really really enjoyed but after my six months here I went back to the U.S. and didn't have any plans on coming back here Mm -hmm. and I moved to New York which wasn't a huge success and I moved back to Iowa and ended up working um, as a cook for an after-school program called the Boys and Girls Club, and then ultimately moved to a year-round camp facility for people with disabilities, and I worked as their dietary assistant director, which was also a cool experience. But I had an opportunity to come back to Israel to do my master's program, and that's how I ended up back here. So how long have you been in Israel? Four and a half years. I moved here in September of 2015. And you speak Hebrew. I do. I learned Hebrew while I was doing my master's program. And Mm. while I was studying, I decided I was going to stay in Israel. So I also immigrated here. Um, Mm. So I'm a dual citizen from the U.S. and also here in Israel. And I learned Hebrew since I've been here. For those Hebrew speakers out there, do you want to give them a little shout out in Hebrew just so that they know your quality of speaking? Hey, Makore Israelim. אז אני פה בירושלים, מדבר עם רייצ'ל, ושלום שלום. מה? למה? וואו, וואט א נייט. כשרייצ'ל I do feel like that's another episode. <laughs> it's totally another episode. Okay, so back to you being in Israel for four and a half years now. Have you been in Jerusalem that entire time? I have not. I moved to Tel Aviv when I first moved here in 2015. And I lived for a year in the like, surrounding area of Tel Aviv. I lived in a suburb called Ramat Gan. Mm-hmm. And I was studying at Tel Aviv University. That's where I did my master's degree. And afterwards, I decided I wanted to stay in Israel and become a tour guide. And the English tour guides course was in Jerusalem. So I didn't really have much of a choice but to move to Jerusalem. So I moved in 2016. So I've been here for the last three and a half years, basically. 
How would you describe to people that know of Jerusalem, but have not been there or experienced kind of what I believe to be the intensity of that place? Yeah, I think that it's very, very easy for people to imagine Jerusalem as kind of like the Disney world of the Middle East, where you show up to this old town where all these like famous historical sites are. But it's really a living, breathing city with a lot of people that live even within the walls of the old town, the small area, the one square kilometer, there's 40,000 people that call that home. But it's really a dynamic city. There's a million people that live here, um, all different religions, Jewish, Christian, Muslim, all doing different things and visitors from around the world coming here every day to visit these different sites. So it's really a dynamic city. We have neighborhoods that are ultra-Orthodox Jewish, very closed off, conservative neighborhoods for the Jewish side. We have neighborhoods just like that for the Muslims and Christians as well. And then we have areas that are super secular. I live about four minutes walking from the old city and my neighborhood is completely secular. There's businesses open on Saturday, things going on all the time. There's concerts and bars and events all the time. I live really in the heart of the city. So it really shows how uh, dynamic this kind of place is because people have this image in their head of people going to the church or people going to pray at the Western Wall or at the mosque. And it's really so much deeper and so much more complex than that. How many tours are you giving a day? That's a great question. I really like to have a balance in my life. So I came from a a world of working 40 hours a week or more because that was what I did pretty much my whole life up until now, like my adult career life. Now I'm a freelance tour guide, so I get to really uh, set my own hours. And since I've come from this uh, world of the structure of having 40 hours a week, you have to be somewhere at a certain time. It um, trained me in a kind of dangerous way. I feel like if I'm not working all the time that I'm not doing anything. Mm-hmm. So when I first started being a guide, I worked like six days a week, seven days a week, some weeks. And um, now I've tried to cut back a little bit and not burn myself out. So I would do three to four days a week of guiding. And I would do all different types of tours. If I'm with an agency with a private tour, I'll do it's like one tour a day, but it's a long day. And I also work with a company that does free walking tours and I can do two to three tours a day with them. So it really ranges, but I try to balance it out by work days and not like number of tours. I try to have three to four work days a week. What percentage of your career happiness is attributed to that flexibility of schedule? I think that it's 100%. Um, I really get to figure out how much money I'm going to make a month by how much I want to work. And I think that it's really uh, an amazing opportunity. Not everybody gets this kind of flexibility and freedom in the job they choose. When I first started working, I worked like 30 days in a row without a day off. And because I love what I do, it doesn't feel like I'm... uh, I'm working like it's mm. not it doesn't feel like the grind when I'm uh, when I'm working so it really um, allows me to have this uh, freedom even when I'm at work I get to have fun with what I'm doing I'm, I'm my own boss and I think that when I have this kind of autonomy mm-hmm. it exactly what I needed I needed to be in charge of my uh, my career not someone else I think that's advice that you could use whether you're a tour guide or something else you could yeah. you find it's so cliche to say it. Once you find the job that you love doing, it really becomes a pleasure to do it more than a chore. True that. Tell us some uh, tour guide stories. Yeah, I get to deal with like people from all over the world. And I think that that's really uh, an amazing opportunity as well. I get to learn so much about people from different backgrounds, different cultures, different places. Mm. And this is one of the things about being a guide in Jerusalem. 
one of my theories is that Jerusalem is the center of the universe. Um, before I became a guide, I was working for a tour company and I was selling tickets and I heard some of the guides talking with the guests and, you know, the usual small talk. Oh, hi, how are you going? Where are you from? And I heard the person respond, oh, we're from Iowa. My <laughs> head jolted up like, nobody's from Iowa. There's three million people that live there. How, how could anybody be from Iowa here? And I looked over, it was my best friend from St. Grade's parents that I no didn't way. see in 20 years. That's pretty bonkers. It was, uh, it was amazing. Like, that, I, it's Jerusalem. This is what happens. You are in a place where everybody wants to come visit, and they do. And mm. today, because the situation here is quite stable, people are flying here. There's low-cost flights here. It's a very affordable destination today, which it wasn't the case probably five or 10 years ago even. It's a much more accessible destination for tourists. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really an amazing thing as well. What are some of those, the reason that people come to visit Jerusalem? What does that look like? As lame as it sounds, it's really like a host of reasons. Many of the popular reasons people are coming, of course, are religious reasons. They're coming for a personal pilgrimage or for an organized pilgrimage to visit the holy sites related to the stories in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Another reason people come is because they are curious about the political situation here. And we live in a pretty delicate neighborhood here in the Middle East. And Israel is one of the focal points of this kind of area of quote unquote conflict. But it's a focal point and people are curious about what's the reality on the ground mm -hmm. here. And I, again, get to be the ambassador of the political situation as well and get to show people that even though the news is showing all kinds of terrible things happening here, that people are living here, they have their lives here, they go to school, they play, they go to the hospital, they go to restaurants, and it's a, a working, active society. And it really shows a bit of perspective between like what you see on CNN and BBC to what you see happening here in the old city. Another reason is it's cold in the wintertime around Europe and in the U.S. It's warm here. I'm walking around in a t-shirt today. I live in a place where it's nice the majority of the year. Those would be the top three. Religious, curiosity about the political situation, and that it's a temperate climate. Okay. If you were to take like a poll, you know, of questions that you have to answer repeatedly, what are some of those answers that you're giving? It really depends. A lot of people ask if the walls are the walls that Jesus saw in the... Spoiler, they're not. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but the city is really a dynamic place and the... I think what, one of the cool things that you can see when you visit the old city of Jerusalem and even the modern city of Jerusalem is how the city changes its shape throughout the different periods. There's a museum inside the old city called the Tower of David Museum, and it really is a great uh, snapshot of all of the historical levels that we have in the city because the city has been conquered many, many, many times. I think is the record for being conquered the most times. Mm -hmm. And you could see all of the different periods of time there, starting from before the Second Temple period to when King Herod builds a fortress there to when the... Ottomans are there to the British and you have all of these layers in between and it just shows how dynamic of a place Jerusalem is and how important it is for everybody because people come throughout history it was more of a religious reason the Jews first build a temple here under the King David's dynasty King David wants to build a temple to God um, but he can't because he has blood on his hands he was a warrior so his son Solomon builds the first temple and that stands for 400 years until the Babylonians come and destroy the temple and then there's exile and then the Jews come back 70 years later and build the second temple. And that stands again until the year 70 when the Romans destroy the temple and the place turns into a pagan 
area under the Roman Empire. And then hundred years after that, Queen Helena, St. Helen, comes and she discovers the true cross where Jesus was crucified. And then it becomes a Christian city. And it's just such an amazing layer cake of history that you can see all of this different uh, periods of time and the important sites and what's important for different people throughout the history. And it still is important today, which is, I, I think, amazing. I mean, it really is. I have a friend who's a tour guide and he went to South America to visit and they're bragging about, wow, look how ancient our city is. The city walls are 500 years old. 500 years ago here, we're in the middle of the Ottoman Empire, which is one of the longest running empires in the world. The people in South America just invented the wheel. Like it's uh, crazy how this gap in uh, technology changes because of the technological advancements that were happening here because the center of the universe at that time wasn't connected to the West. It was here in the city of Jerusalem. How does it feel to live there? I mean, I know you're describing it also as, and, and one thing that you make sure to make a point of is how it's an, a working operating standard city. Can you describe the feeling of living there? Is it just normal? Is it just like anywhere else? I think that people get culture shock when they come here originally because it's not a typical Western city. It's its own kind of variety. of. It's not like anything else. But yeah, it's a very normal place to live. I live in a city. I live in an apartment where there's cars driving around and there's a modern light rail tram that runs through the city. Um, I go to the bar. I go out to restaurants. I hang out with my friends. It's a normal life. I, I think that if for someone that lives here, it becomes a, a normal thing. For me as a tour guide, it's uh, important for me to remember that the people that I'm showing this place to, it's the first time possibly they're seeing this. And I've gotten used to seeing these ancient walls around the city. And I just walk by, I'm like, oh, like, nice, another tan, tan wall. But like I said, 4 billion people around the world, this is like such an important place. And many people, they save up their whole lives to come see it for once in their lifetime. Mm. So I have this delicate balance of me living here and it's just like normal thing for me. Right. And since I've lived here now for, for almost five years, it's become uh, my normal. It's, a, it's normal life. You came to visit. It's, uh, you, you see people go to the market, they go to the store, they walk mm-hmm. around. There's barbershops, nail salons, supermarkets. Right. Um, but it's also uh, a hustling, bustling city. We have two official languages that are being spoken here in Jerusalem, Hebrew and Arabic. It's an important city for a lot of people. So we have English, French, Spanish, Russian, you name it, it's spoken here. It is pretty amazing. Yeah, I think the most important thing to do is to come visit because it's very easy to get carried away and look at all of the stuff that's happening in the news and in the media. Like I said, this is a place where people live lots of, uh, it's an everyday life kind of place. And before you judge something based on something you saw online or saw on TV, I think that it's important to come see it for yourself. I feel completely comfortable walking around any time of the day, day or night even. And it's super accessible. Wherever you come from, it's really the center of the universe. Here, whether you're interested in history, Bible, archaeology, even street art, there's all kinds of stuff going on here. So it's definitely worth the visit. I'm revisiting my time in Jerusalem as we're talking about this. I think it's noteworthy for me to mention my first time in Jerusalem was with a Palestinian man and a former Israeli IDF. And we're touring sites in Jerusalem and around Jerusalem. I think we visited one settlement and then I forget where else we went. But essentially, these two men were sharing their experience 
to a group of youth students that were going to be going into the IDF. The Palestinian and Israeli man, they worked for some organization. It was a peace organization. And then my second night in Jerusalem is being choked by Kate and we have to call the Mata to like (laughs) have them escort her out, you know, like I feel like those are two very intense experiences and I'm sure you could have them anywhere in the world. The fact of the matter is I had them in Jerusalem, you know, like. Yeah, yeah, totally. No, I think (laughs) even the funnier thing is when you left, you gave me a business card and like on the back of the business card, after all these events take place, the back of your business card says everything happens for a reason. Mm. I still have that. I mean, I still believe that very much. And I I feel like it ran the spectrum of emotions, experiences, and just unforgettable memories. And that's indicative of of what that place holds and is. It's so many things. At the risk of sounding like a cheesy, like Hallmark special, but it is like a very special place here and things happen here. I don't think things just happen out of the blue. I think there's always a, a connection and a reason and... I think it just connects to the specialness of Jerusalem. Well, I can say, undoubtedly, you're a very special man. And I really do appreciate you taking the time to share your story and your experience of life um, as it is now. And it is super refreshing to hear from someone that really does, I think, live life fully and love life fully and doesn't really have much separation between work and what they love. And I think that's, a, that's kind of the echoing and resounding message that I hope listeners take away from this entire conversation. Space Court, Space Court.